Ladies and gentlemen, Cowabunga. I'm Kent Garrison. And I'm Brian Gill. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We give you movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings in the first half of the show. In the second half of the show, we're going to jump into our chosen movie of the week. Don't worry, we will give you a spoiler alert before we jump into that territory. And stick around for the end of the show when we give you our weekly recommend for stuff that you need to check out as soon as possible. You can find all of our episodes on madaboutmoviespodcast.com or on iTunes or Stitcher or pretty much anywhere else where you might consume podcasts. This week's movie of the week is what, Kent? This week we are throwing back to 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Brian, it's good to have you here, sir. It's good to be here, sir. As you might have noticed, listeners, we're missing Richard Barton this week, so... Well, I wouldn't say we were missing him. <laughs> yeah. I always like when he's gone because I get to say movies in the Mad About Movies. That is a fun word. It makes me happy. Yeah. Movies. Better that way. Brian and I found this opportunity, and we're taking advantage of it. We're doing a throwback film that Richard would want nothing to do with and would probably veto if he was on the episode. So, Brian and I throwing it back to, to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I assume you were a fan of, of the Turtles when you were growing up. Yeah. I'm sure we will get into that more as we go along through this episode. But we are doing this for two reasons. One, to throw back to a movie that we all grew up on. Two, in anticipation of the upcoming reboot, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is coming out August 8th, 2014. Yep. So excited to talk and about And also this. because there are no movies coming out this week that we have any desire to and, see. Yeah, right. No movies worth a review. If you were really excited about our sex tape review, we're, we're just not going to Richard's doing a Sorry. solo podcast on sex tape. <laughs> so I'm looking forward not, to listening to that. It's not about the movie. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump into our Ninja Turtles talk, or turtle talk, I like to call it, Let's talk a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. As you are probably aware, the year right now is 2014. And as you are probably not aware, that is 15 years from the year 1999. Man, math is tough. It is tough. It is really tough. It's weird to think that 1999 was 15 years ago. That is weird. You're not wrong on that part at all. Like, yeah. It's strange to me that the 90s were 15 years away. That doesn't, that, that seems weird. You know, the, the, the show, The Wonder Years, this is just a side note. You know sure. that show? Yeah. That show was made in the early 90s and it was about the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. If they were to do the same thing now, it would be about the mid-90s. So oh, That makes me hurt a little bit. <laughs> so no so good. put that in your pipe and smoke it. No good. Yeah, I, crazy. So 15 years ago uh, was the year 1999. It's, it's a great year. I have, I have great memories of 1999 for two reasons. One, because who won the Stanley Cup in 1999? Uh, the Dallas Stars <laughs> and Mike Madonna and Brett Hull and Joe Neuendijk and Darian Hatcher. And that was my favorite sports team of all time so great memories of that sorry to our buffalo listeners it's rough because a you have to live in buffalo and b the stars beat you in 1999 yeah with a rule 
that um, they didn't figure out till after they handed us the cup. They oh, he might have been Wait over the second. crease. Yeah, uh, that might not have been a goal after all, but it yeah. was, and the trophy's ours. And we have your coach now, Lindy Ruff. So take that. <laughs> Just really rough to be uh, to be a Buffalo fan. It is. Sorry. <laughs> it does. It actually does suck. Imagine being a Bills and Sabers fan. Yeah, it's really <laughs> tough, man. I've I've got a friend, uh, a fellow blogger, fellow movie writer, uh, who who is a a Buffalo Bills and Sabers fan and tweets about them quite a lot. And he's but he's very. Uh, very realistic, especially when it comes to the Bills, just of what a beatdown it is to be to be a Bills fan. So it's it's kind of fun to uh, join in his misery almost, just to like see how frustrated he's going to get throughout the football season. But uh, yeah, it's it's that's not an easy. I, I have a lot of respect for people who are able to be fans of just genuinely awful sports cities and stick with it and be yeah. really serious about it. So way You're to right. go, Buffalo! You guys try so hard. They do, and they deserve. A championship, but it'll never happen. So <laughs> second reason I love 1999 is because a lot of great films came out this year. And so for yeah. this, this movie news segment, we decided we're going to throw back to 1999 and celebrate 15 years of some of these great movies. We know that Ninja Turtles came out in 1990, but we might not get this conversation in this year if we don't do it now. Right. So let's go through this calendar, and we're going to go month by month and just point out some of the – some of the notable films to come out, maybe some of the not so notable ones that we have all forgotten about. Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna say these movies, and you can uh, interject with humorous comments. Okay. So here we go with January 1999, January 15th, 1999. 20th Century Fox brought us Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line. Ooh. great film! I just got that on uh, Criterion Collection Blu-ray recently. And if I'm not mistaken. This was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture in the same year as Saving Private Ryan, which it was '98. So I right. guess maybe they the it, it was a limit. Was yeah, different. it was a limited release. So this this came out. Okay, it came out in the fall or the the winter of '98, and then uh, but but didn't get wide release until uh, until January. Apparently, I did okay. not know that. So it's actually that's technically a '98 film, but it did come out in '99. So right. So thoughts on Thin Red Line? I know you're a big fan of it, but that's it, man. It's a really good movie. It it takes like all Terrence Malick movies. It takes some doing <laughs> to to get into it yeah. and to appreciate what's happening. And if you can't, if you don't get it early, you will not like the movie. You know, uh, Tree of Life is like that. I got I was really sucked into Tree of Life in the first like ten or fifteen minutes, and that carried me through some really strange tangents that it went in. I know a lot of other people that seriously could not make it through the first 10 minutes. So, okay, you're you're it's not it's not for everyone. I am not a a Malick purist. I'm not like obsessed with everything that he does. Uh but The Thin Red Line is is a is a great movie and it's honestly it's like a perfect contrast to Saving Private Ryan. Like they they could not be you could not have two war movies come out in the same movie the same year that could be more opposite than Right. Those two. Sure. I tend to fall into the Saving Private Ryan category. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as fandom, I would pr- I prefer that film. Absolutely, but same here. I think this movie is fantastic. It's Terrence Malick straddles the line between art and epic, you know, sure. so well. His movies are so artistic, and only Terrence Malick is capable of a Terrence Malick film. That's what I'll say. He's the Stanley Kubrick of our times. Maybe he's sure. he's a guy that can 
go with sensitive subjects and make them quite artistic. And not, not everyone can do that. Uh, January 29th, 99 brought us the Kevin Smith classic, She's All That. <laughs> wow. Remember that She's one? She's All That. Yeah. This was a big year. I was looking back at all of these films and, uh, this is a big year for uh, teen comedies, which don't exist anymore. Like that's not something that teenagers nowadays get to see. So it's kind of a strange. You, there's a couple more that I'm sure you'll mention as we go through the year. I really liked She's All That when I was whatever 16 when this when it came out because Rachel Lee Cook was really attractive. So that that definitely didn't help. Didn't hurt. But uh, hey, Usher and Little Kim are in that movie. So as know. well as Paul Walker. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Man, got to bring him up anytime we we that's get right. a chance. We move into February of '99, and we start the uh, start the month off with Payback, <laughs> starring Mel Gibson on February the fifth. Nice. I snuck into that movie because I was not quite seventeen yet. Good memories. Yep. We also were blessed with Wes Anderson's Rushmore on February the fifth. Okay. My personal favorite Wes Anderson film still probably uh Grand Budapest is working its way up mm. but uh, I know Richard is a Tenenbaums purist what are what's your favorite Anderson film I don't know if I remember we've had this talk multiple times but it's it's I would probably say Moonrise okay that, that's that's the one I like Rushmore is on is my least favorite and that's that's not to say I don't think it's good or uh, that I don't appreciate it because it's like a, a bad – well, not even a bad – a lower-rated Wes Anderson movie for me is still quite quite good. I just – I didn't see that one until probably 10 or maybe more years down the line. Like I just missed it during that, that time period when it was popular and I don't know. I just – I've never connected with it as much as I have some of the others. Have you seen this movie called The 400 Blows by Francois no. Truffaut? I have not. I know. Okay. No, uh, I know what it is. I that's a very popular, super pretentious film lover sort yeah, of it movie. Is. You it know? Is. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch it in film school? I I did, and I saw it before I saw Rushmore. Okay. So I mean, before the last time I saw I watched Rushmore, and knowing that Wes Anderson took a lot of his style, his personality, filmmaking wise, from Francois Truffaut, who's if you're not familiar with him, he he's one of the proponents of the auteur theory. Really sort of did his own thing, didn't really care what, what everyone else was doing, and, and did his own thing and, and shot it how he wanted to shoot it. Didn't really have a set, just went out and shot this movie. I, it's, a, it's a Criterion Collection film. Right. If you have a Hulu account, you can watch it. It's worth all your time, The 400 Blows. I, I should recommend that. It's probably not going to make it into my top 10 of top 10 of all time list later this year, or I might not have another chance to recommend it, but watch the 400 blows and then watch Rushmore. Um, the care, the main characters are, are quite similar and it's sort of an updated version of that. I mean, it was 1959. So 40 years after that, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie, but Sweet. I just wanted to recommend that. Um, while we were talking Rushmore, February the 12th, we get blast from the past <laughs> starring Brendan <laughs> Fraser. Remember that movie, Christopher Walken, Sissy Spacek. I watched that movie a ton. That was one that I. That was like one that was in 1999. I was 16 years old, and I was, I was right at like I I was raised in a fairly conservative household, and so we had fights over what movies we could watch, and that one was one that was allowed. So I rented it many times, even though even at 16, I'm like, this is not that great, but it was 
better than I don't you know something that was PG and animated. <laughs> you know, so yeah. if, if they would let me re- rent that one, okay, I'll rent it. Everyone was thinking, okay, Brendan Fraser is going to be the next big star. Yeah, okay. so charming in that and funny in that movie, but he was playing a guy from the 1950s and. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of his other roles were featured characters from the 1950s. He fit that role perfectly, not really many others, but we'll talk about that maybe later. We uh, also get October Sky uh, in February of 99. That brought us Jake Gyllenhaal. Joe Johnson, the director, who we are familiar with from Captain America as well as The Rocketeer. What are your thoughts on October Sky? Did you ever see that? I did. Uh, I think that was a – I have a sickness where I can pretty much remember – you know, when and where and <laughs> who was with me for every movie that I've ever seen. That was a, uh, that was like a youth group trip to, uh, to, to the movies, October sky. I don't care for the movie, but I have only seen it the one time and it was a little slow for a 16 year old. So, and it also brought us, as you mentioned, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I don't like. So that's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm against <laughs> October sky. Same. I only remember it the one time. I feel like if you are, you were 55 when that came out. You would love it. Yeah, but totally. For a kid, totally. not really. Not really my type of film. Also, that same day, February 19, Mike Judge brought the world office space. Oh, which yeah. It, it could make its way into my top 10 of all time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, up it's there, close. man. It is an absolute classic comedy film uh, in my top five comedies, for sure, for sure. If you haven't seen it, it it's... The, the show The Office could have been based on it. I mean, it, it brought us so much of what comedy is now, so much of the dry humor, so much of the observational humor, and just, I can't recommend Office Space enough. You If you haven't seen that, get out and see it right freaking now. Turn off this podcast and do it. We also got 8mm that month, Joel mm. Schumacher's film with Brutal. Nicolas Cage, Joaquin Phoenix, Gandolfini. Ugh, Gandolfini, what were you doing, man? Joaquin, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> terrible terrible there Pretty might bad. not be a movie that will make you feel worse than eight millimeter <laughs> you're right and knowing that they're squandering that much talent while make while in the process of making that terrible movie mm. march was a pretty down month other than the end of march at the beginning of march we get analyzed this which mm. is okay but not De Niro's or Billy Crystal or Harold Ramis's best work. Yeah, it hasn't aged well. Yeah, not at all. Sure. Certainly not worthy of a sequel. We get Cruel Intentions that month, <laughs> which oh. starred every teen actor, Joshua Jackson, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, doesn't hold up at all that I know of. Haven't seen it since. Well, wasn't good then, then but just, yeah. it, you know, it, the only reason people saw it is because, because of, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Back then, Guy Ritchie's film came out in March 99, followed by Baby Geniuses, a classic. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's been on my Netflix. Very British. Netflix queue for – I like a lot of Guy Ritchie films. I just, I've just i just never gotten around to that one. I can recommend it. It's fine. Yeah, it's been on my queue for, for years. I've just never had the, the time. We also got, at the end of the month, Doug's first movie – which don't, guys, nineteen ninety nine? Don't you think it's a little too late to make a Doug movie? Wasn't that ninety three when Doug was a big cartoon? But uh, we'll leave it to Disney to. Yeah, I know I missed the Doug phenomenon altogether. Like I have no idea. I I can vaguely I 
I can vaguely picture what that character looks like, but I know I have never watched a single moment of Doug. Doug was big with a Nickelodeon. Yeah. And then I think Disney bought the property and moved it over to one Saturday morning or whatever it was that recess was on. Uh huh. And that's when it, that's when I stopped watching. But I, I did watch Doug when I was younger at the end of the month. We also got Ed TV uh, starring Ooh. McConaughey and directed by Ron Howard. That one could have been better, but it came right after the Truman show. So yeah. nobody really wanted to see those types of films. Isn't Harrelson in that too? Yeah, it is. Woody yeah, Harrelson, right. Elizabeth Hurley as well. Ellen also in it. Elizabeth Hurley. Remember Gosh. her? Is there anyone who's more late nineties than Elizabeth? <laughs> oh wait, Jenna Elfman. There you go. Yep, yep. They got them both in this movie. <laughs> we also get maybe the most well-known movie from 99 or most talked about the matrix mm. and in march it's surprising that this wasn't a summer release by warner brothers yeah nobody expected anything from that that yeah. movie at all i saw that at like a at the i think i saw that at the dollar theater for the first time with my buddy daniel and we were completely just mesmerized and blown away i was too i was blown away by that doesn't hold up nearly as good as i thought it did but there are parts of it that do yeah and there's it's it's so dated with technology totally. and costumes yeah everybody is in black leather no yeah, it's very goth it's yeah. very goth yeah very i watched Marilyn it Manson. for the first time uh in probably at least five or six years i watched it maybe three or four weeks ago and it's still very good but it doesn't it was kind of a letdown honestly from where from, from the high pedestal that i had it on prior to that viewing in April of 99, we move on and we get to Go, Doug Lyman's film, which is um, – which Doug Lyman, who brought us Edge of Tomorrow this past summer, a few weeks ago. Uh, Go, haven't seen that maybe since it came out at Blockbuster that year. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I don't quote me on that. We also get <laughs> – Life from Eddie Murphy that year and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> a favorite movie of many NBA players. Right. <laughs> we Every time I see Life on the TV guide, I'm like, oh, that cool Richard, Richard Attenborough documentary. Or <laughs> that nature documentary from the BBC. Oh, nope, it's the Eddie nope. Murphy movie. Yeah. Uh, Richard is a big fan of life. Is he? Okay. Not here today, but yeah, big fan. Because once upon a time, we found out Chris Weber's favorite movie was was Life, and I gave him a hard time about appreciating the movie that Chris Weber likes. Go is ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. There you go. Call, bud. I would not have have pegged that. I could, I think I remember that. I remember it being uh, it being better than anyone thought it would be. Um, not much else in April of 99. Idle Hands. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, Devin Sawa. Is there anyone more 90s than Devin Sawa? <laughs> Maybe Brad Renfro, but that's sort of in bad taste to mention him. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. not gonna mention him, but I already did. We get um, in May, here comes the, the summer blockbusters. We got to mention him again. The Mummy, Brendan Fraser. Big movie. Big dude. movie. That was huge. Big, huge. big movie. We get Alexander Payne's Election in May. Surprised that was a summer film, but it did star Broderick and Witherspoon. It had sort of a trendy cast, so I can see why they would push it into summer. Maybe they didn't. the movie studios didn't have this mentality of, if it's not a blockbuster, it has to go in the fall or the spring. You know? Sure, and yeah. It's, 
it's just it's crazy to see how their mentality has changed over the past 15 years but we also get ghost dog the way of the samurai <laughs> i've never seen that movie but i can i i can picture the cover art without i mean completely without any question like i i don't know why but i just Every time I was at Blockbuster in the late 90s and early 2000s, I would see that movie and be like, oh, wait, what is this? Nope, never mind. I don't want this. I, I have no idea what it's even about, but man, I can see the cover art. We get a movie in this month that's worthy of an episode of its own. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom man. Menace. Kit, how old are you in 1999? I was almost 13. I think I turned 13. Oh, so, Dude. I skipped school to see this movie. Me and my friends bought, went, drove by a theater the, not, the day before and bought tickets, skipped school to go see it, I think at the earliest time slot. And I spent about three months telling myself and everyone else that it was a really good movie. <laughs> like, I just yeah. could not accept that it was not good. Even though, as soon like, immediately, as soon as the whole. Uh, trade restriction, like all that stuff starts and you're like, this is not good. This is not good. But I had built that up in my head for, I don't know, uh, 16 years really. And man, I, I just would not accept that it was not a good movie. I refuse to, to go that route, but man, I still haven't accepted it down. Look, the last here, here's the, the, the one saving grace. Cause I saw this when it got re-released in 3d a couple of years ago, you went to the the theater to see it. I did. I wow. went to it. Went to a theater, saw it in 3D. Um, had plans to see Attack. The, uh, excuse me, Attack of the Clones when it got released, and then the Lucasfilm, the Disney stuff happened, and yeah. all those plans got scrapped mercifully. Uh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I, I watched it for the first time, probably I don't know, ten years, and. Uh, the last twenty minutes are really, really good, and so you can you can kind of hide behind. The duel of the fates with the battle between Darth Maul and Qui Gon and, and Obi Wan and mixed with the, sh- the 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 fight in space, the dogfight in space is pretty spectacular. And John Williams' score is amazing at that moment. And so you can kind of you can you can accept that that stuff. That's what makes that movie decent. Whereas Attack of the Clones is a complete abomination. Sure. My only issue, and not my only issue, but my main <laughs> issue. Like I said, this is worthy of it. Of a throwback episode. I'm sure maybe we'll do a retrospective before episode seven comes out. We'll do all the yeah. Star Wars films. I would like to do that. Just you and I, if Richard's not down, we'll make yeah. it make it happen. But my main issue is most interesting characters in the film, Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul. Okay, we'll yeah. kill both of them. We'll kill them both. Spoiler, <laughs> <No>. gosh. <laughs> if you haven't sorry, seen it. Sorry, if you haven't seen it over the last Don't see it. Years. Yeah, don't even bother. Right? That's that's all you need to know, really. Looking back, that's my main issue. I would have seen more Darth Maul films if they'd come yeah. out. And Qui-Gon was, was pretty great. No, we'll give you Jake Lloyd or Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor, who did all he could, but... Yeah. And we're going to make Natalie Portman ugly the whole time. Right. And put Keira Knightley in a burka. <laughs> How about that? So later in May, we get Notting Hill, which is one of be- my favorite become, chick flicks of all time. Yeah. It's become pretty popular over the past 15 years. It's uh, People still talk about it a lot. People always try to still visit that area when they go to England. Yep. And in June of that year, we got The Spy Who Shagged Me, the Austin Powers sequel. <laughs> Which stars Heather Graham, also very 90s. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. 
That one's Terrible pretty bad. Movie. Pretty Terrible. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also get the general's daughter starring John Travolta. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> Don't think I've ever seen it because I avoid all things Travolta if right. at all possible. We get a Disney animated film, Tarzan. Yeah. In June. I haven't seen it, that since it came out, I believe. So it it just got put on Netflix a couple of weeks okay. ago, and I added it to my queue. I haven't watched it. The music for that is is fantastic. I'm right. a huge I'm a huge Phil Collins nerd, so that that's right up my alley, obviously. But uh, yeah, that was not, I remember that being a, a pretty decent Disney effort. Rounding out June, we have Big Daddy from Adam Sandler and Dennis Dugan, the director who has just been become an abomination of Hollywood lately, <laughs> him and Sandler. But this is my, might be my favorite Sandler film other than Happy Gilmore or yeah, Billy Madison. That's, I think I'd probably agree with you there. That's pro- and I haven't seen it in a very long time. So it pro- I'm going to guess it doesn't hold up well. But yeah, this is, this is probably my favorite Sandler movie besides Billy Madison. It has the most heart of any Sandler movie yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty sentimental. It's the most quintessential Adam Sandler movie. Oh Would yeah, you agree with that. Yeah, like, it, it has Happy Gilmore. All the elements that. of every Adam Sandler movie of the last fifteen years has had. You know, this is like like uh, Big Daddy kind of sums up all of those films. Right. We get also South Park, the movie Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which I watched seriously two days ago, and <laughs> so funny. And South Park is just – it's South Park. What more can you say? Uh, Wild Wild West, Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Not not the best choice there, was it? <laughs> you know that – and this is, this is a little factoid for the listener here, but that Will Smith turned down the role of Neo in The Matrix to be in Wild Wild <laughs> West instead. Yeah, not not the best choice we've ever made there, Will. Imagine the Matrix with Will Smith for Imagine the Matrix with literally anyone else besides Keanu Reeves. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> that that would have been good. You're right. It wouldn't well, have been Wild worse. Wild West made 113 million dollars here, 222 worldwide. What about so the you Matrix? Would think that would seem pretty good and then you look at the Matrix 463 worldwide. Wow. Okay, there you go. Yep. We we move into July, September of that year. American Pie at the beginning of July. <laughs> of course, yeah. it spawned five sequels, I think, and multiple yep. direct-to-DVD movies. I snuck in to see that one. Uh, uh, be- not because I wasn't old enough, but because uh, – no, I yeah, in 99, I, still, I could not get in. So we bought tickets – I think I was in Lubbock with visiting relatives or something. Went to see it. Got away, you know, we're, we got away with it. Everything's good. And then one of my cousins kept her ticket stub and her mom found it and told all of our moms and we all got in trouble. So uh-huh. there's a very 1999 thing to happen to you. I Do was, kids even get grounded anymore? I, I, don't, don't, I don't think so. I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> grounded? Yeah. It doesn't even roll off the tongue anymore. I know. I know. So I saw American Pie. I think that was one of the movies where – Oh my! Oh my gosh! You have American Pie. We're going to your house tonight. You know, I was fourteen or, <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. when it came out. And if you had it, like we, had, you had to sneak and watch it. It was the same oh, way yeah. in my household for yeah. sure. We get one of my favorite Muppets films, Muppets from Space, in nineteen ninety nine. And my least favorite, Muppets your least film. favorite, my favorite because it features Gonzo, my favorite Muppet. 
<laughs> and what what better to follow up a Muppets film than Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> <laughs> perfect double feature. <laughs> Kubrick's last film, and um, haven't seen it in, since mid two thousands, I think. So mm. can't really make a judgment on it back then. Not his most critically acclaimed film at all, but I think it has merit for what it is, but have you seen eyes wide shut? I haven't at all. I have. And for me, it's a very, you see this a lot where it's like, we're going to make a porn, but it's got, uh, it's got art. It's got, yeah, it's, it's artsy. And also it has well-known actors in it. So it's not really porn, but yeah, it is. It's been a lot. I've seen it probably one time and it's been quite some time since then. Not my favorite Tom Cruise or Stanley Kubrick or Nicole Kidman movie. It's surprising knowing all the films that Kubrick put on the shelf that he decided to make Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Especially in his later years. He put on the shelf uh, AI, which ended up getting made, of course, by Spielberg. He put on the shelf a Napoleon film that he Mm. spent seriously 20 years or something researching. And he was going to have Jack Nicholson play Napoleon, which that would have been crazy back in in, in Nicholson's heyday when he was – known as the best actor out there. And uh, he put on a, a, a he put on the shelf a film about the Holocaust, which was he put on the shelf after Schindler's List came out. Like you can't really follow that up. You know, no one wants more Holocaust films. So yeah. it's crazy that he made Eyes Wide Shut. It's just looking back in retrospect, it is right. it's quite weird. We get Inspector Gadget later in July with, <laughs> with Matthew Broderick. I was a fan of that cartoon. Were you? Uh yeah, I watched it some I, it wasn't ever one of my like favorites but it was like you only had four or five channels that you had an option on so you just watched it it was it was one of those for me i don't think i've ever seen the movie i don't think i have either now that now that i i think about it we get at the end of july a surprise hit the blair witch project huge huge hit huge hit and made a i mean big big impact on the state of film for the last 15 years. Sure. Oh yeah. Change, change the film industry. Honestly, paranormal activity is still reaping the benefits from that, from that movie. Totally. I think it's still the highest grossing film compared to the budget. There's another term for that somewhere, but it's, it's made, made $300 million or something and it cost 10,000 to make or something like that. So crazy. And, uh, haven't seen that in a while either, but, I need to, sure, it doesn't hold up well. I'm but sure not. It, I, it's one I avoid because I don't want to get sick every every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we moved to the end of the summer where we get the Iron Giant, Brad Bird's animated film, which you said you weren't a big fan of, but I, I critically, it's it's well acclaimed and it's known as one of the best, the most well animated films. In yeah, animation. yeah. It's very. It looks very cool. I came to it late in life. I didn't see it until maybe a year or two ago, something like that. Um, it's very preachy, and I hate, I hate preachy cartoons more than most things. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I made it through it, honestly. So yeah, sorry, Vin, if you're listening. I, I'm sorry I betrayed you. A couple other to mention this this month: uh, Mystery Men. Remember that movie? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I might have a DVD copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> the Sixth Sense, M. Night Shyamalan's debut. Film? He, talk about movies that kind of changed the face of the industry. That's that's way up there. Like, yeah. has there been a suspenseful movie in the last fifteen years that didn't have a twist ending? Yeah, I mean you're that, right. that's a 
major impact film. And I, I saw that one in theaters like a lot of people. I bet I saw that at least a half dozen times in theaters because you would find somebody that hadn't seen it and be like, oh my gosh, we have to go see this movie right now. Yeah. That was a, that was a, uh, that was a huge, huge movie. I, I, when I was looking back at all the movies that came out this year, I was kind of surprised by how many, uh, not just that were good or whatever, but like that really made an impact on the film industry as a whole. You're right. We also, in August, got Bowfinger. Remember that with Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, and Heather yeah. Graham again. <laughs> Directed by Frank Oz, one of the so weird. American treasure candidate, Frank Oz. Yeah. But Bowfinger, fun little movie. Good idea for a movie. I, I caught it on HBO a couple months ago, and I liked it. I hadn't seen it since then, maybe since then, but uh, good good little fun comedy. I don't know if you feel the same way, but... I'm not sure if I've ever seen it. Oh, you honestly. need to see it then. You, you, I think you would recently, like it. Recently, a couple people have said that it's pretty good. I don't like Eddie Murphy. I'm, I'm very... It's um, one of the few... It's, it's one of the highlights of Eddie Murphy's career. Let's put it that way. Uh, Post-1980s Murphy. Sure. It's sure. one of the yeah, few should, things you can clarify. look back on I'm, and be like, okay, that was pretty good. You know? Yeah, I, I should clarify that statement that I'm not a fan of Eddie Murphy post, I don't know, like Dr. Doolittle or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, we At the end of August, we get another Brendan Fraser appearance, Dudley Do-Right. God, Big this guy is for... everywhere. <laughs> three movies in three months. That's pretty Man. impressive. In uh, September, Blue Streak, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> remember that one? Yes, super <laughs> super nineties as well. Super yes. super nineties. B- banned from Saturday Night Live. Not allowed to ever come back on the show. Not that they really? would ever want him anyway. Yeah, he uh, had a very very inappropriate raunchy monologue that they told him you can't do that, and he did it anyway. And so he's no longer allowed to come back. Wow, I, did, I don't have to look that one up. We get Jacob the Liar starring Robin Williams. Pretty bad, <laughs> <laughs> horrible actually. We <laughs> yeah. get. American Beauty also in September ended up winning Best Picture of 2000 or 1999 for the year 1999. Yeah. I know you're not a fan of American yeah, Beauty. But but. Personally, might be my least favorite Best Picture winner of my lifetime. I hate that movie. I love Kevin Spacey in that movie, but that's it. Yeah. I, I respect the performance for sure, uh, movie-wise. Lester really Burnham is his character's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Pretty iconic character. But sure. Can't say much for the movie. Haven't seen it in, in a while, but I love that character. We get in October of 99, Mystery Alaska, Jay Roach's film. Sure. I, I think one of three hockey movies ever. Yeah. So. Three Kings, David O. Russell's film with George Clooney and Wahlberg and Ice Cube. Rewatched that recently. Not good. Not people, good? Okay. People keep telling me that it is good, and I, I disagree. Not Not a good movie. Boys Don't Cry, which won Hillary Swank an Oscar that year. We also got Superstar, the Mary Catherine Gallagher <laughs> film with – or movie, I should say, not film, with Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell. Yeah. Um, we get Fight Club, David Fincher's movie. Great. Great, fantastic. Saw that the other day as well. Holds up Probably pretty the, good. Would you say that's the best movie of this year? Like if you made if you made a list, would that be oh, number sure. one on your – I, I would say I would say it has to be actually. Um, maybe a, a movie we'll mention later is up there. But as far as ones I want to watch on a daily basis, yes, you're yeah. you're right. We move into November, and we get Dogma, 
Another Kevin Smith movie. I've never seen that movie. I guess I had fine. I had phased out of the Kevin Smith era of my life at an at a slightly <sighs> early age because I think like sixteen, seventeen is the prime age for Kevin Smith viewing. But uh, I just I didn't care. Didn't never saw that one. Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow, also this year. Wow. Face paint. Face, yeah. White face paint and Johnny Depp. <laughs> what more could you want? We got a James Bond movie, The World Is Not Enough. We get a Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days. <laughs> hey, okay. First of all, the Bond movie has Denise Richards, so you know it's good. Yeah. Uh, what her name? Her last name is Christmas, and no, she's it's a doctor. Christmas Jones. Her name. Christmas her first Jones. Name is Christmas. There it is. Doctor Christmas Jones. Yeah. So, great casting. Nuclear there. physicist uh, Christmas Jones. Yeah, that's right up there with uh, Mark Wahlberg as a Texan inventor. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> End of Days. Have you ever seen End of Days? It's been. Uh, it's been five years, and let's just say I was in an inebriated state last time I watched it. So. <laughs> okay. Let's also say it's a really bad movie, but yeah. Gabriel Bryan as the devil is kind of awesome. I do like, It's a that. really yeah. strong performance in a bad movie. Have you ever watched a Schwarzenegger movie, though, expecting a good movie? I don't care. If they're good, yeah, I love. I, I have an obsession with Schwartz. I'll watch any Schwarzenegger just to watch Schwarzenegger. <laughs> sure, he's might sure. be my favorite blockbuster like action star ever. <laughs> I will see Sabotage. I will rent it on Blu-ray. I know it's horrible, but I want to yeah, see I'll Schwarzenegger I, yeah. shooting people. That's sure. That's all. We at the end of the month we got Toy Story two. Yeah, maybe the worst Toy Story movie, but still a freaking good, <laughs> good movie. Yeah, great. <laughs> Great movie, great movie, but but you're right. Not doesn't compare to the first or the third. In December, at the end of 1999, what better way to kick off the end of the year Oscar season with Deuce Bigelow, male Gigolo? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, yes, I, I I snuck in to see that one, so I made good choices in 1999. Clearly, as we're going back through all those. We get the Cider House rules that year as well. Oscar bait. We never seen it. We get this might be the best movie of the year, but not my favorite. The Green Mile. Oh yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic film. Not one you want to watch if you're in a bad place. Yeah, um, it, you you will go to a much worse place very quickly. Uh, you got to be in the right mood to watch it. I bought that on Blu-ray a few I don't know maybe a year ago at this point, right when it came out. And I have not watched it because it's like I'm like, oh, the Green Mile, that's a great movie. And then I'm like, no, I don't have three hours of depression that I can give to this. So Christmas time, we get Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey as Andy Warhol, <laughs> Andy Warhol, Andy Kaufman, <laughs> Andy Kaufman, <laughs> Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. And just want to make sure you were paying attention. <laughs> Andy Warhol. <laughs> I knew it was Andy something. Man on the Moon uh, with Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Another Oscar. Pretty good two years for Jim Carrey as far as drama goes with Truman mm-hmm. Show followed by this. He, yeah. I, can, I can see why he gave up movies for a while. <laughs> it's like pretty pointless. Yeah. Uh, people have seen my comedy. Uh, if I'm not going to make it now, I probably never will as a dramatic actor. Totally. So. totally. Uh, we get Galaxy Quest as well. I know you're a big fan love, of that. I love Galaxy Quest. Top. Huge fan. That that's yeah. That's in my. That would definitely be in the top five or or so from this year for me. Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia in ninety nine. 
Great Tom Cruise performance. Yep. A movie that doesn't make any sense at all, and I think that's that's the point. Or it's open to interpretation, however you sure. want to look at it. The Talents of Mr. Ripley, uh, Angela's Ashes, and uh, we round out 1999 with Fantasia 2000. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Like I said multiple times on the show, there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> people that like Fantasia and people that don't like Fantasia. So, I, I like Fantasia. Can you can you be somebody who likes the uh, the demon one in Fantasia and doesn't care about the rest? Is that acceptable? That that's you know the best that's about? the best part of Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's it called? I can't remember what that segment. Is I, I called. don't I don't recall, uh, but I remember the animated fire and it looked great. Yeah, I'm and gonna have to look that up. Fire's not easy to animate uh, at all. So pretty impressive stuff by Disney and Go. So wow, what a year, 1999. That's all one year of movies. If we yeah. if we look back at 2014 and and we can talk about them that way, that's impressive. The number yeah. the number one uh, grossing film of the year was Episode One with 900 million dollars. <laughs> the Sixth Sense was two with 600. Toy Story 400, followed by The Matrix with with 400 and Tarzan. The Mummy, Notting Hill, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. The World Is yes. Not Enough, American Beauty, and The Spy Who Shagged Me. So, And by the by the way, bo- uh, Box Office Mojo has episode one pegged at just over uh, a billion worldwide. So, uh, Okay, I'm sure huge. that takes into 3D. Uh, probably so. You're probably, yeah. Probably, probably so. something like that. So, wow, what a year. And let's, let's throw back to a couple of these movies. I'd like to do a Matrix episode. I'd like to do a... A Star Wars Episode One episode as well, and who yeah. knows, maybe a Toy Story throwback when we talk about yeah. that trilogy. That'll be fun. Wild too. Wild West. Yeah, sure. <laughs> she's all that. I got that one pegged. You missed one movie in all this that that I was gonna pinpoint, okay. and that would be uh, Entrapment. Which oh, was I did a, miss that. Was another like talking point, I guess, throughout this year. There's a lot of movies from this year that were that had like talking point moments, water cooler moments, if you will. And Entrapment definitely does. Like that was a that was a big deal for a lot of people. So. I do remember that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't. That was on my list or, or what? I don't know how I missed that. But thanks for bringing yeah. that to my attention. That one was there. Any given Sunday was another yeah, one that was right. a big movie that year. That is not is not good, but has some really interesting moments. I guess. Yeah, we'll see if Oliver Stone can make another good movie. Uh, <laughs> likely not likely not but we'll likely. see we, yeah wait i have hope hey ma'am fam question for you do you own a small business or are you a boss are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click in fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. 
And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So um, let's move on, Brian, and let's throw it back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In a city without a future, it's time for a clean. And now, the greatest crime-fighting unit in history is back on the case. Okay, let's start off. Just give me your general thoughts or give me your background, Brian, on on Ninja Turtles. Did you grow up with them? Huge Ninja Turtles fan. Yeah, grew up on them, had all the toys, uh, was obsessed with the cartoon, had multiple uh, VHS tapes filled with episodes taped right off of TV, which is a super 1980s thing to, to do that I just watched ad nauseum all the time was watching a Ninja Turtles tape. Uh, it was, it was beyond, besides Star Wars, uh, Ninja Turtles was easily the, my, the best thing in my life. My, my favorite thing in life until I discovered sports at like age of 10 or something, something like that. Uh, so big, big time fan, grew up on it, played with the toys constantly. This movie, uh, we, we did a throwback for Batman a, a few weeks ago and, Batman, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and and Jurassic Park are the three movies that I can remember as a kid being just over, just overwhelmed with how much I, I, I wanted to see them. How I could not wait to see these movies. It was just, it was like in every single day, I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm good, finally going to get to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm finally going to get to see it. It was a huge, huge, huge deal for me. Just a major pop culture moment. I remember where I was, you know, what theater we went to see it in. I remember the theater was so packed that I had to like sit in my parents' lap to be able to have a, you know, to have a seat. And it was, this was just a, this was like a, like a a landmark or hallmark or whatever the terminology should be moment for me uh, growing up and a big part of my, my youth for sure. Huge, huge Turtles fan. But how about, how about you? To say I was a fan is an understatement. I mean, there there are very few pictures of me that exist before the digital camera age. Back then, you had to get film. You had to take pictures of your kids. So there's probably, I don't know, 50 pictures of me that exist but before the age of five. I would say <laughs> okay. a good 40 of those 50, at least, or so, are me with a Ninja Turtles t-shirt on. Sure. No joke. Yeah. I, I could not – you could not pull me out of that thing when I was – when I was little, I was obsessed with these, these characters, 
more than anything. I was obsessed with the toys. Uh, I may or may not be sitting five feet away from a Davy Crockett, uh, Michelangelo or <laughs> toy. I can't see it. It's dark in here. But yeah. I, I have all my action figures still. I haven't really cherished all of them, but I, I held on to them. I was big into the, the action figures more than I was the show, mainly, uh-huh. maybe even. I really enjoyed the, the TV show, of course. I mean, not a lot of kids got to see the TV show. I remember having the VHSs of them and just watching the same VHS multiple, multiple times. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I was I was four years old when this movie came out. When uh, when the the live action film came out, and sure. so don't know if I even saw it in the theater. Can't remember that mm-hmm. that young, but I remember being just amazed when I found out that there was a live action movie of this. Yeah, because I was so into the cartoons and the toys. What a great series it was, and what a formative and creative series it was on me. There's nothing like it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, for me, this. This is the property that bridged the gap for me between Star Wars and I guess X-Men was probably the next yeah. thing that I was really into. But there was a solid five-year span where the only thing I really cared about was was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I still have – I know I have the original ten figures somewhere in my – I have multiple boxes of, of toys and stuff that have been – stashed away in various places in the house but i've got all the original the original figures at one time i would hazard to guess that between my brother and i we had over a hundred action figures wow uh, i mean we were we were both like super super into it i remember when i finally aged out of it or decided i was done with it or whatever we i, I wanted to start <laughs> i wanted to start collecting x-men action figures based on the the animated series which is fantastic as well uh and my parents were like nope you can't as long as you're collecting ninja turtles you cannot collect x-men and so we had a garage sale and sold all of our figures except for the original 10 for like two bucks a piece and made bukus of dollars i mean we just had so many pieces to go with it and it's it's weird to talk about this as adults but not really because no this is yeah this is part of our because this is our youth yeah this is our youth I've been tempted to just go back and buy all the figures I never could get as a kid. Like I want the original yeah. four guys, you know. I want the original oh, April figure. Yeah. I want the original Shredder. I want Bebop and Rocksteady and and the whole nine yards. Like yeah. I never got all of them. I never had the whole set. So. I've got a I've got a buddy. Uh, shout out to Matt Trammell who is. Like we're talking about this stuff, he is obsessed with Ninja Turtles. I, I I should have texted him before this to see how many pieces he has, but it's it's in the thousands of uh, of Ninja Turtles memorabilia and action figures and stuff. He's got a Ninja Turtles tattoo on his leg and all this wow. stuff. I mean, he it's he has an entire room dedicated to this stuff, and somehow he still has a girlfriend. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but he has. Uh, a, I I'm not kidding. I saw a room on craigslist here in dallas yeah if somebody had a whole room that was all ninja turtles they had every figure that had ever been released they were selling it it said uh reserve offer was 25 grand for the whole thing wow (laughs) incredible but no i I just have a lot of love and nostalgia for this series yeah and i really didn't go back and and think about ninja turtles for years i mean i probably went the whole year 2000s without thinking or remembering my love for the Ninja Turtles. And here we are in, in 2014. 
with this rebooted movie coming out, um, Michael Bay has taken on the sole responsibility of producing a reboot. And to be honest, Brian, it's surprising that this didn't get rebooted sooner, considering the popularity of the Turtles. It kind of did. You I know remember? it did in, in, in 07 with an animated yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's a new series that came out on TV in like 2012 because I've got a friend who has a kid who's super into into Ninja Turtles and and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So it's had a resurgence, but you're right. It it is kind of funny, but at the same time, like this is such a to me this it, it's almost amazing that this is big right now because it it does seem like something that is very late 80s early 90s to me yeah. and and i love it because of the nostalgic purposes behind that um and we'll talk about the the film in a second but uh it's it is a very to me it's, it, it does seem like a very strange property for 2014 so on the you know on the one hand i, I agree with you everything gets remade you would think that this would have it's such a big hit like it would have been big at some point since that between now and then but the same time it seems like this is such a strange thing for 2014 i think i actually have in the past year started to watch the 2012 ninja turtles series and let me just tell you as an as a turtles fan like you are yeah it's freaking fantastic dude that's what i've heard <laughs> like i said i'm not i'm not 4 years old anymore so my perspective has changed but it might be the best turtles that we've ever gotten wow as as the turtles characters themselves. I mean, it is so well written. The animation is fantastic. It genuinely makes me laugh as an adult. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's it's very very it's better than it's very good. It's better than you would think it would be for a kids Nickelodeon CGI computer animated show. I mean, if you're a turtles fan, it's 100% worth your time. And I'm sure we will talk about it more when the the 2014 Turtles movie comes out, but there has not been a Turtles property that has existed that has better encapsulated the characters of the Turtles better than that show, in my opinion. I mean, sure. it, it's cool. it, it is it's worth your time. I mean, unlike the original Turtles cartoon series, it's serialized, so every episode leads into another episode. You know, okay. it's not just you can watch it and then skip five seasons and watch another one. I mean, you really need to watch them in order to know what's going on, but. It is really good, and it's it would be worth. I would recommend it to you as a Turtles fan. But as we get into this 1990 movie, I want to ask you, Brian, how did you watch this movie? Had have you had you seen it in a long time, or do you watch it often, or what? I owned it on DVD, but I think I bought the DVD. <laughs> I think I bought the D- DVD at like Hastings, which yeah. if you don't know what a Hastings is, it's it's a it's like a combination of. Best Buy and Blockbuster. Maybe you don't even know what Blockbuster is. Now. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's in small towns, and it's like a bookstore and a movie rental place and all that sort of stuff. I bought a used copy for you know six or seven bucks when I was in college, so probably 2002. And I definitely have not watched it since then, I would, I would guess. Like it's been a really, really long time. So, uh, the, but the, the copy I have is not very good. So in the spirit of, Hey, we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to, when you said, Hey, we're going to watch this movie, this is going to be our throwback. 
uh, I was like, okay. And uh, guess what? There's a <laughs> Target has a Blu-ray copy of all three movies for one for like twelve bucks. And so yeah. I I now own all three of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies on Blu-ray and and consumed them as such on on the right. highest definition format <laughs> available to human beings, which is definitely the way that you need to watch the 1990 classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So. So there's that. As the completest that you are, Brian, did you watch all three to prep for this episode? I have not. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't have time. Um, I will watch the second one. I have very fond memories of of the secret of the ooze, um, and so I'll definitely watch that one again. I had aged out of Ninja Turtles by the time the third one came out, so I have only seen it one time. I saw it when it was first available on VHS to rent in 1994 or whatever. So I, but I've only seen it one time and I don't, I, I don't know if I'll ever revisit that one again. I'm, I'm okay with, with that knowledge gap in my life. Let me ask you this, Brian Gill, the the, the question of the day for these throwbacks, how does this hold up? Uh, what? 24 (laughs) years later, 24 years. Gosh, that makes me feel, feel really, really old. (laughs) I can't. Okay. I can't say that this is a good movie. It's it's very it's very dated. That's that's for sure. Right up to the <laughs> the rap at the end of the in the closing credits, which I don't I should have done my research ahead of time and, and figured out who who did that rap. But man, it is so so nineteen ninety. Like it is such an MC Hammer knockoff. Uh it's fantastic. I will say the special effects, because they're practical effects, so that, that helps, but the costume design and stuff like that. I, st- I think it still looks pretty good, uh, especially for 24 years. And it was made on a nothing budget and kind of thrown together because it, it very similar to like the Twilight movies of today where it's like this is going to make money no matter what we do. So let's just throw it together, poop it out and throw it to the masses. That, that's how the, it was made in a major rush. Um, so even with that, I think it looks good. And the the fight sequences – at least between the turtles and the the foot soldiers, I think it looks pretty good and it holds up fairly well. When you involve Splinter, the Splinter is where things get really jacked up because it the the rat looks terrible. It, it doesn't really? work at all. I, I didn't think it looked good at I all. I thought that looked the best of. I think okay. Let me rephrase. I think it looks good, but when when it, like the the closing sequence when he's up on the roof and all that sort of yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, it it looks very puppetish. Um, which didn't from a creature design. You're right, Ken. It looks it looks fine, but when it's in action, it, it oh doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. And Shredder also doesn't <laughs> his his get up doesn't work for twenty four years down the road. So the, some of that stuff looks kind of was was kind of dumb. The 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 script is is very um straddle the line between childish and it's to where it, it's too honestly I, I it was a big deal in my house that we got to see this because we knew that the ninja turtles are going to cuss like five times in the movie and that was a huge deal so it still seems to me to be like kind of an odd choice because it is a it's it's too serious for kids really but it's a little too childish for for adults um and obviously the humor is kind of dated and whatnot but i gotta say i was I was impressed with 
how well it stood up for being for 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 what it is. I expected this to be like one of those things where you put in the movie and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is I can't believe I liked this. This was so bad. I don't think it's a bad movie, and it it's definitely has more merits than I I kind of thought it would, having not seen it in well over a decade. But how about you? What did yeah. what did you think? It's not as dated as you would think it would be. Yeah. Um very dated. The the title credits the music is quite eighties, early nineties music. Uh the the yeah. closing credits as well suffers from that same issue. But the movie as a whole is I mean, like we talked about Batman eighty nine, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. Other than Basically, the the music alone. I mean, that's what dated Batman '89 worse than anything. Mm-hmm. You can tell this movie took took a lot of tropes from Batman '89. Like, okay, we need to make this dark, right, and more for adults than kids, even though it's a kids' property. Yeah. And I think the director Steve Barron made a good choice by filming this in the dark, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially the first introduction to the turtles. Uh, the first real scene we get is is April being jumped by foot soldiers, and then did you uh, did you notice who the foot soldier was? The main main foot soldier, who Mister Sam Rockwell. He's credited as Head Thug here. Yeah, he he so. shows up a couple of different times. But, okay, uh, I was getting. I did out of notice that. him. I I had to look that up when we were watch when I was watching. I was like, I know who that is. Is that Sam Rock? Yeah, it's Sam Rockwell. <laughs> and but. So April gets jumped at the beginning by the foot soldiers, and she gets rescued by the turtles by a sigh flying out of nowhere and hitting a light, and then you just hear noises of fighting. <laughs> and right. then we see one of the turtles looking out from the sewer as the cops show up. It's a really smart choice by the director to not reveal the turtles right away, to sort of keep this dark. Yeah. And if you if feel like if you put them in full broad daylight that they would look terrible and that mm-hmm. this movie totally. just wouldn't work at all. They were yeah. cheating that cheesiness by filming this in the dark the way they did. And I, totally I think agree. that yeah. was cool. That's a smart choice. You know, what's fun about this era of film and I don't, I don't have a start and an end date for you, but probably Batman brought, you know, you brought this up to me as well or, or brought this to my, to my attention movies during this era. They really didn't have the budget to do practical effects and CGI and CGI was so primitive and very expensive at that point. You kind of had to choose one or the other and you couldn't, you couldn't really do both. Batman is almost exclusively practical effects. I think the only times that it's CGI is like in the bat wing or whatever, when it's up above the city and stuff, stuff like that. This movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, is all practical effects and all the people in the costumes are, are doing the moves and, and are very, very well uh, coordinated and, and choreographed and all that sort of stuff. And so it makes these movies that should look super dated, they hold up fairly well because you don't have bad computer technology mixed in, which I'm sure at the time, I bet you Tim Burton really wanted to rely more heavily on on CGI and just couldn't pull it off or whatever, or they couldn't do what he wanted them to do, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But man, they're they're all blessed for having that opportunity to not have to deal with that stuff at this point, you know, 25 years later. By the way, I guess pizza price hasn't changed in 24 <laughs> years. 13 bucks for uh, one large pizza in this movie. But in New York, so who knows? Oh, okay, that's true. I forgot about that. 
That's a good factor. This movie, and I mentioned the animated series, the 2012 animated series, does such a great job with the characters, the individual personalities of the Turtles. Right. The most glaring issue, in my opinion, with the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the Turtles are essentially the same character. Other than Roth, Raphael, when he sort of goes on his own and he's in disguise with the, the trench coat, which, by the way, worst disguise of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're trench not going to know I'm a, a giant turtle if I wear yeah. a hat and a coat. Yeah. No, but other than, I think, how do you know Leonardo's the leader? Other than, and they go over to April O'Neil's house and he says, all right, guys, it's time to go. I think yeah. we should leave, you know. And how do we know Donatello is the smart one? There's not really any gadgetry or MacGyver-ish stuff going on in this movie. But we get Michelangelo. We know he's obsessed with pizza. We get that every 10 minutes of this movie. And we get Roth's character as the one who rescues April. But the movie really lacked the personality of establishing the characters of the Turtles. Maybe they just assumed that kids would already know the characters themselves. You know what I mean? They didn't – Yeah. They didn't ham it up with those personalities, and I was disappointed in that. I mean, I'm seeing the, I saw this for this episode after I'd seen the 2012 series and how well that that series does that. So I'm speaking from that perspective too. Sure. But I just was disappointed going back and watching it. That I wanted to see how Donatello was back then, and he was just a turtle to me. He wasn't. <laughs> I, 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 need, I guess I need to go back and watch the original animated series or read the comics. Yeah. But it just yeah. yeah. It, this was not like I said before. Like this movie was thrown together very, very fast, and this is not a film that you could have gone to see in 1990 without having watched the TV show. Fortunately for them, there were there were a ton of this is. I'm not going to say one of the first, but because I don't have that knowledge, but I would I would hazard to guess it's one of the first kids shows that adults really got into. And so this is not a movie that you could have gone to see without prior knowledge, at least and enjoy, you know, and, and enjoy it the way that you're, that you're meant to. Cause it's not, I think you, they trust that everybody who is going to see this movie has prior knowledge of the characters. Cause you're totally right that there's no character. They just, it's like jumping into uh, an episode of the show that happens yeah. to be live action. Yeah, there's no establishing of the characters at all. Um, Splinter, I thought he was fine in this. I think – I thought the character looked fine. I know you disagree with that earlier, but I think he looked – the the design was, was great. Played by Kevin Clash, who is mm-hmm. Elmo. Yeah. Uh, you might know him from his work on Sesame Street. But, the lawsuits, yeah, and the and the uh, <laughs> lawsuit that got dropped, by the way. Yes, so, yes. I'm on Team Clash again. There is the. I thought the Foot Clan looked awful, and I don't remember the costumes being that bad, but they look really bad, in my opinion. Did, did they to you? I think. Yeah, like it, bug eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it looked very. It was not a good translation from the cartoons. I don't think. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, and it it didn't it didn't look like there was a whole. It was like, man, we put so much time into these turtle costumes and the shredder costume and all this stuff. We got to have them fight somebody. Oh, just have them put pantyhose over their face. We'll be fine. It, you know, it was very low budget on that sort of thing. Yeah, and there's a. There's a Jose Canseco jab in this. Yeah, when they meet, when we meet Casey Jones for the first time, or Roth does. Yeah, and a Jose Canseco bat. Did you actually pay for that? Right. Pretty, 
pretty funny. No kid would get that now. Yeah. But what did you think of the little exposition with the origin of the turtles? Oh, yeah. that's that's probably the worst part of the movie. I would yeah. I mean it's very it's very dated and cheesy and 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 expositiony, you know. It's, yeah. Let's stop down now for 25 seconds of uh of how this all happened and it's it looks bad. It doesn't it doesn't hold up well at all. Apparently in the 90s and I'm speaking from Terminator 2 Judgment Day on this as well. Apparently all the thug kids hung out at our arcades back then. Yes. Day. Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was, that was that just was the, the place. I don't remember that being that way really at all, but I guess it was because it was in a in a couple movies. So yeah, for me it was the skating rink. That's where all the thugs was the skating rink because we didn't have an arcade that was super readily available to us. So it was you don't go to the skating rink on Friday nights. That's where that's where the bad kids hang out. We established Donatello's smartness by I think there's a War and Peace reference or something in this. Yeah. It's so, all these very odd yeah. and, and subtle, almost <laughs> character traits. Right. Subtle's probably not the right word, but they're just kind of things that are thrown in to make you understand where those characters are from. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it's it's fun. Michelangelo is and and Raphael, I think, are the two that are the easiest to develop, um, just because they're very caricature-esque of, of what they are. Leonardo and Donatello don't have much personality. And so I think those are, those two are harder to craft than, than the other two. Who, Kit, who was your favorite Ninja Turtle of, of the four? Um, growing up? as a grown, I mean, as a kid, my favorite was probably Leonardo just because he had the katanas, which was my favorite, my yeah. favorite weapon. Uh, as an adult, I I really like Michelangelo. Okay. I think I like the new Michelangelo a lot. And we'll have to see with the new movie who who my favorite ends up ends up being, but never really got into Donatello. I think that now being 2014, there's more opportunity for Donatello. Yeah. With technology sure. and gadgetry and things like that. So I'm interested to see how they go about that in the new movie. Yeah. But I think Roth was always my least favorite. I don't know why. Really? I, I, even though red is my favorite color, uh, Roth as a character, I just didn't didn't ever wasn't ever attached to. What about you? What was your favorite? I, I was I was Team Roth all the way. I was super into Raphael. That was my guy. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I, I think it's just like this kind of like rebel attitude, and he was so. Um, I think it's just that he had personality. You know, uh, Leonardo. Even in the 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 cartoon, Leonardo is just. He's 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 the leader and he's kind of a he's kind of a stick in the mud. He doesn't want to have any fun. And Raph has got he's sarcastic and he's got he's got a little attitude and all that sort of things. I was a big Raphael. My brother was Michelangelo. Anytime that we I've got a brother who's who's four years younger than me, and anytime we were, you know, playing Ninja Turtles or whatever, uh, I was I was Raphael and he was he was Michelangelo. We went my dad built us we had like um Ninja Turtle pajamas yeah. for a long time. And my dad built us these like cardboard shells that we would wear and run around. We were Ninja Turtles for Halloween for like four years in a row. You mentioned the Shredder or Oroko Saki. Yeah, and this, yeah. he just looks horrific. I mean, yeah, it, it's not good. I it's think it's bad. The helmet looks fine. The yeah. costume is bad. I totally agree. I think I remember he looks better in the second movie than the first one, but obviously I haven't, I haven't seen it recently. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he, he, he takes the ooze that form the turtles and becomes yeah. super shredder yeah. in the second what's, film. So what's funny was looking through 
you know, the cast and whatnot for both Shredder and Tatsu, yeah. uh, his henchmen. Yeah. They had they had voiceovers. Like they had somebody they did. doing the uh the, so they had someone who was clearly very Japanese doing the acting and had somebody else come in and do the voice later, which I find very interesting. It's funny. This movie was I mean, the actual actors that played the Turtles and and the Shredder, they were Bruce Lee stunt doubles and yeah. stuff. I mean, it's yeah. the same studio that did all those Asian fight, fighting movies mm-hmm. back in the day. So I think that's smart to go with a to go with that as opposed to a normal Hollywood studio too. Yeah, and they can make it for really cheap as well because right. those movies are made for for nothing. And right. this movie really only has two settings. I mean, it's got the under the sewer and then a right. couple of streets that are obviously backlot streets. Yeah. Or something. And then, so. and then the farmhouse. And that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Smart all around on that, on that note. But the cast here, other than Sam Rockwell, no one did anything ever again, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Judith Hogue. Let's, let's see. Okay. She was in Armageddon. I am yeah. number four. She's had a, a little run on Nashville, the show. Right. I think. So the guy who plays Casey Jones is is recognizable. Like he he's been yeah. in a lot of stuff, but he's a character actor and um but has had a really solid career. But yes, he's that's that's about it as as far as the uh the actors go. For as sure. as big as Ninja Turtles was. Oh, by the way, Elias Cotiez, who yeah. plays Casey Jones, was Lionel Shrieke in Now You See Me. So that's right. That's right. Yep. He's, he's got it going got that, on. He's gonna get that dirty cop look. Like yeah. I'm sure he'll he has a run on Law and Order or something somewhere in his background. Yeah. Chicago PD. So there you go. As big as uh, Ninja Turtles was, it's just surprising to see no one, nothing came out of this. If, if you were given this role back in the day as a young actor, especially the the kid Dan, yeah, Daniel, yeah. he's Dan at the end of the movie. He's Danny. Yeah, just Dan. Yeah, <laughs> if you got if you were him back in 1990, uh-huh. you're gonna be, get the lead kid role in this Ninja Turtles movie. He yeah. was probably like, okay, I'm gonna be the next the, the biggest actor in the freaking world after yeah. this. And he's and, done one movie since. Wow. So there you go. 1997, and oh, it stars Edie. Edie? No, it doesn't. That's just somebody on the cover. Oh, Edie Falco's in it. It's one of those class. You need to go look at the cover for this. Kent. Cost of Living is what it's called. It looks like it's clearly one of those that did not that they cast Edie Falco before she was Edie Falco, and then she has she's in the movie for five minutes, but they're going to put her on the poster because <laughs> she's important now. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> do you know who does the voice of Donatello here? I do not know Corey Feldman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I do. I remember that now. Yeah, you're right. From um, the Goonies, Goonies baby, and a total total crazy person. Yes. I didn't know like no one would ever have a career after this movie. It's just <laughs> it's just weird to think about it. Other than head thug Sam Rockwell. Yeah. So any particular issues with this? Anything that stuck out is like, wow, that's bad. Other than the than the music, like we had yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. The music and the origin story are definitely the worst. Shredder costume design is bad. Character design on that too is just is just kinda kind of lame but otherwise you know look it 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 is what it is and that's not that's it's not great but it 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 definitely like i said it definitely holds up better 
than I thought it that it would. I I will say as somebody who who always champions kids movies that are appropriate for kids, I I will say I completely understand where my parents were coming from of letting me go see this movie because I was obsessed with this property and I'm I was 7 years old when this came out and there's a lot of stuff in it that is you know, it's not the worst thing. It's not like going to a Scorsese movie or anything, but I know I ran around the house quoting this movie for the next year. And there's a lot of stuff that I probably quoted that was inappropriate. And I probably shouldn't have been saying aside from, you know, the five, the four or five utterances of, of actual curse words and stuff. So, um, it seems it does still to the, to me, to this day, it seems like an odd choice. Batman made a lot of sense to me to, to go dark and make it an adult movie. This one still seems like it might've been an odd choice to, to go that route. Um, when your audience is 95% kids. Yeah. I should mention that the Jim Henson company did the turtle costumes. So that's why they look so good. There you go. They, they also did that show dinosaurs. Remember that? Oh yeah. Nineties. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was a similar type costume. Not as the well. mama, not the mama. Animatronic. Yeah. There's a person inside, but an animatronic head and mouth. Yeah. But really cool costumes. I mean, they're all contained. I think the servos and everything were actually in the shell of the of the turtle. Yeah. So that's the reason they could do flips and everything and, and still make it work radio controlled. But this is a pretty cliche origin story. It's mm-hmm. turtles and then Shredder saying, get me the turtles. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's all you really get out of this movie story-wise. I'm yeah. just curious as to what the 2014 Turtles movie is going to rehash from this movie. Sure. From the looks of it, it's going to be a complete rehash. I mean, from the trailer and from the toys that have come out already, there's a Roth in disguise toy already for sure. the new movie. So they're sure. they're going to redo that. Um the the April O'Neil figure comes with a sigh, so I'm assuming she picks up a sigh <laughs> and tries to fight somebody just like this movie. Okay. And from the in the trailer, there's also a, a scene in a subway station uh, or a fight scene, just like the the 1990s. So maybe they're just taking the movie and making it CGI'd in with Megan sure. Fox. So that's, you know, we'll have to see. Look, and there's worse things that you could do. It's it's 25 years old, so I can't really get too mad about some. It's like in our Earth to Echo episode, you know, I I kind of I don't care that we're borrowing heavily from ET because ET came out 32 years ago. So if you if you're gonna do a a total reboot origin story, I'm fine with it just being you know taking a lot directly from this movie. The only time it bothers me really is when it's Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man. And it's, you know, those movies came out within eight years of each other. That's, that's dumb. So, you know, we can take it. We can, we can handle that sort of thing. I think. So after you've revisited this, Brian, yeah. What grade would you give it? Uh, I think, I think a B is a fair grade for for what this is, for what it set out to do, for the time period, for the subject material. Um, I, you know, there's more good here than bad. I would say, yeah, so a B I think is fair. I would give it a B for nostalgia's sake, and don't be mad at us if you go back and and watch this and it's not as good as it oh, was yeah. when I was four years old. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that. I'm just saying it's not. There's not a lot of stuff that dates this movie. 
if that right. makes sense. Other than right. 90s hairdos, uh, decent, you know, decent acting. I mean, it just, it feels very early 90s. And uh, so it's, that's all that really dates it is, yeah. is music and hairdos and, and the normal stuff you would expect. Yeah. yeah. So I will, I'll give it a B as well. Fun to talk about this. Fun to throw it back, and I, I wanted to revisit this before, uh, like I said, the 2014 movie. And we'll have to see if that movie is anything decent because I'm not expecting much out of it. But I'm looking forward to seeing it just because I'm a big Turtles fan. So sure, we'll see. Uh, but let's move on, Brian. Let's do a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. I'm going to recommend a something very relevant to Ninja Turtles this week. I got a chance to watch this documentary while I was on vacation. It's called Turtle Power, uh, the story <laughs> of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's only on Netflix Canada right now. Boo. But, but if you go online and you download this browser extension called Ola, H-O-L-A, they have it for every browser, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, I believe as well. Internet Explorer, if you still use that, hopefully not. What? What is that? But you can do that and just download that little, it's free, browser extension and install it on your browser and you can watch Netflix from any country. If you okay. didn't know that already, didn't know that. take advantage of that. Go on UK and Canada Netflix. They have way better movies than we do. It's pretty sad. But as of this recording, it's only on Netflix Canada, but it's making its way to the US um, right around the time the new Ninja Turtles film comes out. It's a story that just tells the story of how this came about, uh, the, it interviews uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird about how they created the two characters. And basically it was just a joke between two comic book artists. They, one of them drew a, a ninja, a, just a turtle with a headband on and a sword, like a very stereotypical turtle, and said, hey, look, it's a ninja turtle. And then the other one made it more teenage, and then they added Teenage Mutant to it. And lo and behold, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and they they made a comic by themselves and sold you know three thousand of the first issue, and you know the property got the attention of of studios, and they said we need to make toys of this. Yeah. So they made the toys before they made the show, and then they said, uh -huh. okay, well we need to make a show to sell the toys. <laughs> so they made the show, and it worked. So I mean, it tells the whole story of this, how this came about, and. That's cool. Any, any Ninja Turtles fan will will like it. I know you'll like it, Brian. It'll probably make its way to U, U.S. Netflix very, very soon. But it's worth you know watching it on your laptop or whatever if you yeah. if you get a chance, uh, especially before the new movie comes out. If you get a chance to do that, so Sweet. Turtle Power, the documentary, I'll recommend. So that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, I, I was too. I was glad to see it was on Canada Netflix before the release of the U.S. So. Yeah, do that. It's free, like I said, if you have a Netflix subscription. It didn't cost you any more to go to the Canada Netflix with Sweet. that browser extension. So hook That's that up. That's a good up. recommend in and of itself. Yeah, I'll, I'll link that browser extension on the website too. Cool. On our website. So if you don't want to go seek that out, just check out our website for that. So what's your recommend? Yeah, I'm going to go with a TV show that uh, debuted on uh, TNT a couple of weeks ago. I think we're three episodes in. It's called The Last Ship. It comes on after Falling Skies if you're a Falling Skies – or no, I think it comes on before Falling Skies. Excuse me. If you're a Falling – it pairs very well with Falling Skies, which is another solid summer show. 
Um, like I said, I've only it's only three episodes in, and it's not you know it's nothing great. It's it's not uh, Breaking Bad or Mad Men or something like that. So if you're gonna do a binge watch, I would totally recommend do Breaking Bad or Mad Men or one of those other uh, higher quality shows. But it's a it's a solid solid summer show. Uh, the whole premise is that this one battleship is off doing it. They're uh, have radio silence for four months doing a training thing and and uh when they come back the world has basically gone to crap due to a a virus that's killing people by the billions and so they have the scientists on their ship that is has the opportunity to like come up with the anecdote and whatnot so the no the antidote not the anecdote sorry it's getting late uh <laughs> so uh, a joke will not heal the human race unfortunately you know it's it's very generic it's cable-y and and all that sort of thing but it's a lot of fun and the performances have been better than i expected uh eric dane is the lead he was on uh gray's anatomy for a few seasons uh, which is a show that I'd never really liked very much, but I did watch for a couple of years and I liked, I loved him, like his character, the way his performance was really good. So he's good here. Adam Baldwin of Firefly and Chuck fame is, is involved as well. There's, nice. there's some, there's some decent pieces. Um, obviously I don't really know where it's headed yet and it, it is all very cable like I said, but that's okay in the summer and June and July and yeah. you just kind of want something that's enjoyable to watch and doesn't really require too much thinking and all that. Uh, and I'm kind of a sucker for post-apocalyptic stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the, the three episodes that I've seen thus far and I, I think it's worth, uh, it's worth checking out if you're interested in that kind of, kind of show. Cool. I saw the trailer. It looks, looks cool. So yeah. it's good to have your recommend. I'd never seen falling skies. I'm into that type of show, but I'd never yeah. knew if it was good. I, well, I that's another one that I'll I'll double my my recommend then. It's it's the same thing. It's it is it's probably on par as far as quality goes with The Walking Dead, which is to me is oh. not a good show, but it's like it's so enjoyable that I keep watching or I'm into the char- some of the characters enough that I stick with it, I guess. Um it's it, Falling Skies is like a B or a B plus sort of show. But it's very – I think it's very consistent from year to year on what it's doing. The plot is not consistent. They, it, It's kind of – I would say it kind of spins its wheels. They've got to find a way to keep it going and it doesn't always have a good reason for it, the, the way that it keeps going. But the characters are pretty good. It's interesting. The special effects are better than you would expect from that sort of – sort of show um so yeah if you're i mean if you're into sci-fi and, and aliens and all that kind of stuff um you could definitely do a lot worse than than falling skies i i've enjoyed its its four-year run to this point quite quite well cool i need to go back and watch that one because uh, that's right up my alley i love aliens so yeah it's fun it's, um, it's a fun show cool good good to have you recommend on that so ryan where can i find your work online you can find me on Twitter at Eagle 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Kent, where can we find you? We can find me online at Kent Garrison on Twitter. You can find Brian and I, as well as our colleague Richard Barden, on the Mad About Movies podcast on our website at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. Find us on iTunes and uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. And you can find all of our weekly recommends on our website as well. And uh, contact us via there as well. Just click contact. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go, go.
Fill in the gap, drop that bass and get the ninja rap. 